Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, Thursday edition, 15 minutes. Could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It was there for the taking. If you are an English soccer fan, you still have to be sick to your stomach. I know the team is young. I know that the future may well be bright given how talented the youth are even younger than this version of the English national team, that you're probably going to win a World Cup in the next 20 years. But it's been since 1966. You were up 1-0 in the first half, scoring in the first five minutes, when Harry Kane, in the 39th minute, had a goal-scoring opportunity that he probably puts away 90% of the time which would have put you up 2-0 and I think basically have shut the door on Croatia even as well as Croatia played in the second half and extended time. What an unbelievable battle. What an incredible, improbable, stupendous win for Croatia. A country that has just over 4 million people. There are more people who live in the state of Kentucky than live in Croatia. There are more people who live in the greater Detroit metropolitan area than live in the entire country of Croatia. We're talking about a small, tiny population of people that are now within one win of winning the World Cup. And I'm going to get into why there's so much talk about American uh, failure in the World Cup and All the people out there who argue we need more athletes and everything else. Guys, Kentucky by itself is close to winning a global championship in soccer, a sport that billions of people play on this planet. 
But if you missed yesterday's game, and it was a sterling, spectacular, outstanding way to spend an afternoon, if you missed yesterday's game, here was what all of the different goals sounded like, starting with England's goal five minutes in to take the lead. Aaron Trippier has not scored for his country in his career. And that one is in! First career goal for Karen Trippier! Puts England in front of the semifinal! Long switch to Verselko. Space and time to get this cross in. Perisic charging in! Croatia's tied the game! Ivan Perisic! All square in the semifinal! Give him the space and time to play this in. Walker able to stab it up in the air. Trippier outdueled by Perisic. Mandzukic got there and scores! Mario Mandzukic! Croatia take the lead in extra time in the World Cup semifinal! This is probably the last chance for England in this World Cup. Rashford clipping it into the traffic. Header played out wide. Is there time enough to get it back? There's the final whistle! Croatia, the second smallest nation in history to make a World Cup final! Now, I was all set to come on here today and talk about England versus uh, France and how I thought it was the greatest rivalry in the history of Western civilization and probably the greatest rivalry in the history of humanity. Uh, When you think about the thousand years that England and France have been going toe-to-toe, back and forth, fighting wars, disagreeing on everything, the close geographical proximity, and instead Croatia wins. And I think this statistic... Is pretty crazy. Uh, One of you out there did this research. Uh, Jason uh, Bullock sent me this, and uh, and I've done the best I can to confirm all these numbers. But Croatia has seven current uh, members in the NBA. One of the things that we hear all the time from anti-soccer guy or uh, America just doesn't care about soccer guy is, well, American athletes focus on too many sports. We have a population of roughly 325 million in this country. And so people say, oh, if Americans really cared about soccer, we'd be better at it. So there are right now seven different Croatians who are under contract in the NBA, uh, which is pretty wild to think about how many different guys there have been from Croatia who have gone on to play in the NBA or have signed contracts. And I want to put into perspective how uh, accomplished as athletes the country of Croatia is. Again, remember, just about the same number of people as the entire state of Kentucky. The odds of making the NBA, if you are Croatian, are 1 in 35,000. The odds, if you are U.S.-born, are 1 in 79,000. Uh, that's uh, looking at men aged 15 to 24-ish. Now, if you are U.S.-born and you're a white guy, all right, if you are a U.S. born white guy, which basically everybody in Croatia is a white guy, uh, the odds of making the NBA if you are a white guy is one in 380,000. So if you're a white guy from Croatia, you are 10 times more likely to make the NBA if you are born in Croatia than if you are in the United States. That's going to blow a lot of people's minds out there to kind of put in perspective how good Croatia is at developing talent. Um, and so this, to me, ties in to a large extent with the issues that American soccer has. 
And, and, and there are a lot of people out there who are infinitely smarter than me at diagnosing the issue with American soccer. But here it is in its most basic, uh, simplistic format. We aren't talented enough. We aren't skilled enough at developing our best talent. People say, oh, you know, imagine if Odell Beckham Jr. played soccer and stayed playing soccer instead of playing wide receiver in the NFL. Well, maybe he would have been okay. What if LeBron James played goalie? I don't know. Can he kick? Does he have a big leg? Because these guys can boot it from one end of the field to the other. It's kind of an important deal. And having a great leg is relatively rare. We don't need more soccer players in order to be great and win a World Cup. We need more skilled soccer players. And everybody out there who focuses on athleticism, I'm going to get on my soapbox here and make this argument to to you. One of the problems we have in America today, I think, when it comes to developing great athletes, is we think everything should be like football. Football has become our national pastime. And what happens with football? We take great athletes who may not really ever have hardly played the sport, and we plug them in, and we turn them into all pros, and we think that athleticism can triumph over everything. Ziggy Ons is a great example. Just using him as kind of this, uh, this, this proxy. Guy is, I believe, from Nigeria. Has rarely, if ever, played football. Comes over, is an incredible athlete, and we put him at defensive end, and he ends up being a first-round draft pick, and he's become a great NFL player. He can go from never having seen a football field before, American football, to turning into a pro in the space of about three or four years. And that's attributable to a large degree because of his raw, innate athleticism and then also his ability to work and coach and everything else. But in America, we value athleticism over skill. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with football. Now, American football. Now, think about football and the way the mindset works. If you are a great rush defensive end, you don't really have to be able to catch at all. You don't have to be able, typically, to drop into coverage and cover somebody else. You don't have to be able to throw. You have to know one discrete job. Football is the exact opposite of soccer. Watch the way a soccer team works. One moment in soccer, you might be a forward trying to score a goal, making a run. Another minute, you might be a midfielder. You may also find yourself having to defend. You have to seamlessly overlap and triangle yourself and be able to play every position on the field if you want to create a dynamic attacking and defending amorphous offense and defense. And if you watch great soccer players, they are insanely skilled. You can't take a guy like Ziggy Ansah who grew up playing soccer his entire life and just because he's a great athlete, train him for a couple of years and make him great at, so- at at soccer. It doesn't work that way. You have to spend years developing his skill. Decades 
of taking passes and fielding them. Playing soccer, not using your arms, is an incredibly strange way to play a sport. You need thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of reps on all your passes, on all your fielding, on all the technique. You can't take a great athlete and plug them in and make them great in soccer by just having them work for a couple of years. Remember when Ocho Cinco tried to play soccer? Uh, and he had played for a long time. People think, oh, he's fast. He should be good. Yeah. You got to time your runs. You got to make sure that you're on side. You got to be aware of what's going on. And then in the moment, you have to touch the ball twice and then score a goal. It's hard to do. Scoring a goal is insanely difficult. But we, unlike Croatia and other countries, use football, American football, as our model. And what has become fascinating is we used to do that in American basketball too. And then we learned from the Euros and we stopped doing it. Remember when it used to be an insult to say somebody played like a Euro? Now every American big man plays like a Euro. Back in the day, it would be an insult if you said Shaquille O'Neal, oh, Shaquille O'Neal needs to go outside and learn how to shoot jumpers. Be like, no, he doesn't. He's a beast inside. That man needs to be fed the basketball. He's a center. He plays center. We were very position dominant. If you were a big man, we taught you how to play center. If you were a power forward, you learned the power forward position. And what's happened now? The stretch four. The Euro five. Everybody can go outside now and shoot the basketball. Three point. The Golden State Warriors effectively play soccer on the basketball court. They're a seamless intermixing of five different players that can play so many different positions during the course of a basketball possession. And as a result, it's very difficult to stop them offensively. And on defense, it's hard to ISO them when everybody's healthy. Remember how the the Golden State Warriors got ISOed when Iguodala was out? They were matching him up over and over again thanks to switches at the top of the key, the Houston Rockets. You can't do that when all five guys can switch and play defense. So the the Golden State Warriors effectively play basketball like a European team plays soccer. And I say all of that, and I hope I'm not blowing your mind here, I say all of that for this reason. We need to be more maniacal in the way that we develop our soccer talent. It's not working the way that we are training people to play soccer. You need to think about soccer as more like golf or tennis than you do like American football. American football is about throwing athletes onto the field, teaching them discrete jobs, and then allowing that athleticism to flourish. Soccer, when done well, is about training a kid starting at three, four, five years old in the national sport. And one thing that could happen a great degree and happens in lots of places all over the world is they have the same system that they start running with coaches at three, four, and five years old. Iceland only has 300,000 people, but they run a system where they start identifying their athletes at incredibly young ages. And then as a result, by the time they've done those reps over and over again, they're dominant. You know who used to do this? If you want to use football as an example, Nebraska. 
The entire state of Nebraska ran the wishbone offense, and they started installing it when kids were six, seven, and eight years old. This is not a joke. And so if you grew up in Nebraska back in the day, they were already working towards making you a Cornhusker when you were six or seven or eight years old. You're running the same offense in many cases that they're going to be running in Nebraska. That's why they had so many great walk-ons. Those guys played a unique style that was difficult to replicate and they beat a lot of teams that were more talented than them because they had so many more reps at what they were doing in their offensive system. We don't need more athletes. We need more skill. We need more talent. That is where the United States is behind. I'm going to open up the phone lines. To me, Croatia is a great example because the country is so small. Roughly the size of Kentucky. Basically, the Detroit metro area, they have the potential to win a World Cup. It's not about numbers. It's not about athleticism. It's about talent and skill. My hope is that some United States soccer fans are going to start to get smart enough about this where we can start to develop our talent better. The other thing is all these socialistic countries that are all about you know treating people well and being, you know, insanely, uh, you know, the safety net in these countries is massive. They got no safety net for soccer. They are brutally efficient in soccer. They'll bring in the best 12-year-old, put them into a training academy, and if you're not good enough at 14, they kick you out and replace you with somebody else until they end up with the best of the best training with each other all the time. We don't do that. In America... Soccer's about making people's uh, 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 self-esteem better. It's about making the kids feel better about their talent. Look, if you're one of the best in the world, get into a training academy and focus on it for years. And if you're not good enough, you get sent back with the regular kids. Instead, we try to be nice to all these kids. And as a result, we end up getting our ass kicked. We need more skill. We need more talent. I'm hopeful that we're moving in that direction, but we're not there yet. I'll open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. Stop being stupid and saying we need more athletes. It makes you feel better, fine, but you're wrong. Uh, I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage. Thursday edition, making the world a better place, explaining why we need, what we need to do to be great at soccer again. Tomorrow, we'll talk with Stu Holden, by the way, who's going to call the World Cup for Fox. He's got Croatia. He's got uh, France. And uh, he came on with us on Monday, I believe, he was fantastic. Uh, loved the feedback that he got. So he's coming on with us Friday from Russia. I'll ask him about a lot of this stuff as well. He will be calling the game uh, on Sunday for Fox, the final World Cup match. All that and more, but your calls, your reactions, I'll bring in the crew, 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico. Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Croatia advancing to play against uh, France for the World Cup title in the final, which will be played on Sunday morning. By the way, got to mention this too. I think I jinxed Roger Federer saying he's the best athlete over 36 ever. He lost. Um, I was uh, DMing 
slid into the DMs with John Isner, who is an American tennis player and is in the final four there. If uh, Isner wins Wimbledon, which uh, he plays on Friday, and if he wins on Friday, he'd be in the finale and in the final on Sunday. Uh, he says he'll come on with us next week to uh, to talk about that. So he is right in the mix. It would be great for an American um, man to win Wimbledon, and I feel like John Isner's run has been overshadowed to a large extent by how dominant Roger Federer has and all the attention being paid to Rafael Nadal. So we'll see what happens tomorrow with those semifinal matches in Wimbledon. But I definitely feel like I jinxed uh, everybody out there uh, by saying that uh, that Federer was on fire, hadn't lost a set and whatever it was, and he lost in five sets after going up two, two sets to none and seeming like he was going to advance and have absolutely no issues at all. So... That's a uh, that's an intriguing story uh, in and in and of itself. Uh, we've got a couple of lines uh, open here eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. I will go and take uh, some of those calls. Justin Cooper, who should I take uh, first on this uh, on reacting to this uh, soccer discussion? Frank in Frank. Houston. Frank in Houston, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Clay? Listen, I agree completely with you about the Croatian thing. Uh, when you look at the Europeans playing soccer and then kind of compare them to the way the Americans play soccer, I mean, they, they look like adults and, and we look like little kids. The passing, the, you know, the, the, just the defense. But the other thing I wanted to uh, agree with you on is that I lived in Odessa, Texas, and all of the Pop Warner teams there, all of the little peewee teams, they ran the Odessa High School or the Odessa Permian plays. From the oh like yeah, seven and eight. All you're talking about in uh, in football, they start them yeah. young. So by the time Absolutely. they get a lot of small communities still do this, uh, and it puts into it's a great point. Thanks for the call. Uh, they do it in football. You know, they will start. You wonder how some and Odessa Permian is where the I believe the Friday Night Lights uh, entire phenomenon began. The Buzz Bissinger book uh, called Friday Night Lights, which then led to the movie, which led to the fabulous uh, television series. They will start running the offensive system and the defensive system for seven and eight year old kids. And by the time they get to high school, they have implemented the same offensive system and they've run it so many times that it's why it's so difficult to beat them because these kids know the system like the back of their hand. A lot of countries have a defined soccer strategy. And that's where being a smaller country can actually come into their advantage because Croatia is like, okay, we've got to develop all of the talent that we have. And, and I was just running through those stats again with you in terms of the national development of athletes. I mean, when you hear that uh, looking at the odds of a white guy making the NBA, if you are a white guy in America today, your odds of making the, U, uh, of making the NBA if, uh, if you are between the ages of 15 and 24 years old are about 1 in 380,000. That's specifying just men 15 to 24. If you, and that's white guys, if you are a white guy in Croatia, your odds of making the NBA are 1 in 35,000. What is Croatia doing by which they are developing better and more skilled basketball players than we are? Probably the same thing that they are doing by developing better and more skilled soccer players. They're identifying their talent, they're putting them into academies and they are rigorously ensuring that they have great talent as they get older, and they're teaching them how to play every position. Used to be an insult to say that you played basketball like a Euro. We taught basketball like it was football. Everybody had a discrete position. You're a center. You play inside. Euros said, wait a minute. No, 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 no. 
we're going to have a seamless passing offense and defense where everybody can play everywhere on the court. It's a much more beautiful style of basketball. And the most successful teams in the NBA now play that system of basketball. Golden State Warriors are a Euro-like team. Now, being Euro-like, not an insult anymore. Doesn't mean that those players are necessarily more talented when it comes to raw athleticism. I don't think anybody who watched Dirk Nowitzki play would say, oh my God, that guy is unbelievably athletic. But he is unbelievably skilled. It's like a great soccer player. Soccer has more in common with tennis and golf than it does with American football. Jason in Indiana. What's up, Jason? You mean Nathan? All right, pause for a sec. All right, let me just pause here for a sec. This is one of my least favorite caller moves. You are a random guy. Nobody knows what your name is. You could have just invented the name that you go by. My guy, Justin Cooper, took down your name as Jason in Indiana. If your name is Nathan in Indiana, assume that it is you. That is one letter different, okay? If I go to you and I say Jason in Indiana, just talk. Why does your name matter? Presume that it is you. Nobody out there is going to be like, oh, I heard Nathan in Indiana call in today, but I thought it was Nathan in Indiana, but actually it was Jason in Indiana. Your name doesn't matter. You're on the phone with me. The only time I'm going to say your name is when I go to you. Just start talking. Jason or Nathan in Indiana. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. We've, we, we've only made the third place in the World Cup one time in 1930 with 13 teams, and majority of it was the Central American, North American teams. We've never really been good, but I also believe that soccer is more mental than any of the other sports we have because you have to constantly be thinking. It's totally different from any other sport that everyone really watches. Yeah, thanks for the call. I'm not surprised that the guy who said, you mean Nathan, was actually not very good. Justin Cooper. Uh, I mean, does this does this happen on any other show? I mean, where the guy comes on and he admits, like this, I feel like this happens every time we go take calls. Somebody's like, oh, no, no. Jason Martin, before he left to start doing his own show, would regularly flub the, remember how much Jason Martin used to complain about having to field calls? You would have thought that, like, I was, you know, he's like, oh, it's so hard to have to answer the phone and ask people what their names are. And like 40% of the time, Jason Martin got the wrong phone, wrong name now. And so Jason and uh, and Nathan, uh, I, they, actually, they don't sound that similar. But it doesn't matter at all what this guy's name is. Yeah, I mean, it happens a lot. What what bugs me, though, is that when somebody tells me their name, I repeat it back to them to make sure I got it right. And they go, yeah. So, And then think about the, the decision-making yeah, here. Annoying. You are about to go on with all 50 states and make your argument you have an opportunity to speak to everyone. Literally, the least significant thing you should be thinking about is making sure that your name is correct. Just pretend, like, this is this is my uh, position. Assume that, yes, when I say Jason in Indiana, it could also be Nathan in Indiana, and you need to be able to talk and be going. You don't want your first statement to be on the radio. Do you mean whatever other name it is? Nobody knows who you are. You could have totally made up your name. It literally doesn't matter at all. 
Ugh, drive me crazy. I'm going to bring back in the crew. We're going to debate this and more. Uh, but first, let me bring in Eddie Garcia. Eddie, does this drive? Am I the only person who gets driven insane by that? You have a chance to talk to the entire nation, and the first thing you do is try to correct me on what your name is, even though nobody on the planet knows who you are. Uh, no, I don't think you're the only one who gets annoyed by that. And it, believe me, it, it doesn't only happen on this show. It, it happens on other shows as well. It seems like like 40% of the time we have the wrong name. And that's, I was always on Jason Martin, and now Justin Cooper has stepped in, well, and it's happened already. It's a tradition that is being carried on from uh, yes. producer to producer. Hey, let's get you caught up on... Hey, by uh, the way, congrats yeah. to your wife. How excited I, was she? Uh, very excited. It was funny because uh, she got home from work at halftime, and, of course, Croatia scored both their goals in the second half, so she was like, oh, they waited for me to come. And, yeah, of course, honey, they waited for you to start watching before they played well. But we've got a huge party planned for 8 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday. The whole extended family is getting together to watch this, so I'm actually very excited about this game on Sunday. should be fun. I, You know, the more I watch this game, I mean, I've started doing research on Croatia. Obviously, we had Croatia versus England uh, trivia yesterday. By the way, uh, Danny G is out hurt. He's like Larry Bird. He somehow got a bad back. Um, yeah. And so uh, I think he's laying down with a towel in his mouth right now in his, uh, in his apartment in L.A. I got to tell you, um, like when I'm watching, I want to. I know you said you're going to go visit uh, Croatia. I really want to go visit Croatia now too, and I think partly it's because they're filming the Game of Thrones over there, and it's supposedly a beautiful country. It's all right on the water, um, but it looks like so much fun when I see everybody celebrating and the country supposedly so uh, so amazingly, fantastically historic based with all these old buildings and everything else. I, I want to go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it even even more now because of uh, the soccer team, which is kind of an odd thing, but gotten more invested in the country you could say so yes for sure uh let's give you a quick uh, check on the geico scoreboard some baseball games of note where the red sox won their ninth straight beating the rangers four to two we had the mets shutting out the phillies three nothing in 10 innings while the braves beat the blue jays nine to five that means atlanta is back into a tie with philadelphia for first in the nl east also things getting tighter in the nl west with the dodgers beating the padres four to two and the Diamondbacks being crushed by the Rockies 19-2, so that's a half-game lead now for Arizona over L.A. Uh, in that NL West race. And, of course, soccer, we're talk- talking about it. Uh, World Cup, Croatia beats England 2-1. Croatia advancing to the World Cup final for the first time ever. They'll face France in the final on Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, and, of course, you can watch it on Fox. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So uh, Danny G uh, is out. Justin Cooper is in. We know, obviously, uh, that uh, that Eddie Garcia watched. His wife is Croatian, and they were all in. What about you, Justin Cooper? Did you watch? You've been anti-soccer. I am anti-soccer. I, I, I watched the, uh, I think it was from the 110th minute on. Is that because you were sleeping prior to then? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, because you guys have, uh, this, this World Cup is not ideal for you guys' schedule. You finish at 6 a.m., you get home and you sleep during the early part of the day for people out there who aren't aware because the production staff is all out in L.A. And so as a result, that makes some sense that you would be kind of tapped out, but you just weren't willing to give up sleep to watch it instead. What about you, Roberto? I slept five hours and woke up at uh, 12 o'clock to watch second half. Yeah, so did you intentionally wake up then? Like, did you yeah, set your alarm? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't miss it. Uh, I, I like soccer. I like the World Cup, so. 
I, so I, I was a tale of two halves for Perno because England was really good in the first half and yeah, Croatia yeah, completely the, turned it around. I saw the notice on my phone saying England was up one nothing. I'm like, oh great, they're probably going to end up winning the game. And and, and the, the second half was 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 very exciting. I they should have put it away in the first half. If you watch the game and I watched the the whole thing, um, they should have put it away in the 39th minute. I thought Harry Kane has to score there in that situation. And if he does, they go up 2-0, and I think the second half is just kind of academic. I mean, Croatia might still have scored. We might still have had an exciting, you know, fun, fast-paced second half. I see this game now, and we'll talk again with Stu Holden tomorrow an hour or two about this, and he'll be able to break it down a lot better than, we, than I have. I, I see this game now. I think England and France would have been wide open. It would have been an exciting uh, style game. There probably would have been multiple goals scored. I see the game now as different. I think Croatia is going to play a defensive style of soccer, try to bottle up uh, Mbappe and the uh, the athleticism of France and try to turn this into a defensive struggle, kind of muddy it up and hope that they can get into extended time and maybe even take it to penalty kicks to decide who wins the World Cup. So I, I think this thing in general is probably going to end up being an ugly uh, kind of setup. The other thing is, I'm going to ask uh, Stu Holden about this. Why in the world do they play a third-place game in the World Cup? Can you imagine having, after losing a hard-fought, tough game like Belgium and England did, to have to turn around a couple of days later and play on Saturday like they are? I also think France having an extra day of rest and the fact that Croatia has now played a full extra game since they advanced to the round of 16. They won in shootout there. They won in shootouts in the round of eight. They won in an extended time against England. France is going to be a lot more rested for this game that will be taking place in Moscow on Sunday. We'll talk about all that more with Stu Holden. Up next, we got some Animal Thunderdome. One of the worst things that could happen to you has happened to a man, and I don't know if I'd ever recover from it. I'll tell you what happened to him. Animal Thunderdome, final segment in uh, hour one. In hour two, we're going to go up to uh, Buffalo. We've got one of the reporters who covers the Bills. How are they responding to this LaShawn McCoy mess? And then in hour three, uh, we are going to talk with John Morosi. He joins us uh, every single Thursday. Break down the universe of baseball, what's going on in Major League Baseball as we move closer and closer to the All-Star break. All that and more. I'm Clay Travis. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. We haven't spent much time on it so far this week. We've had a lot to get to, but let's cue the music, boys. It's Animal Thunderdome time. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. So I am 39 years old and I still sleepwalk. I mean, and not just sleepwalk, like I'll sleep run. I completely, while asleep, will get upstairs and believe. And there's two things that usually happen when I sleepwalk. I have one of two things that is the most frequently, like, kind of triggering event that makes me sleepwalk. One is that I believe somebody is chasing me or there's some threat in the house. So I'll get up and I'll run upstairs and I'll be convinced that there's somebody after me or after somebody in my family. The other one is that there is a snake in the bed. 
uh, this is a huge terror of mine, is that you would be asleep and that there would be a snake that would also be somehow in your bed. Okay? I don't know if I would ever be able to sleep again if this story happened to me. Uh, From the Associated Press, a central New York man got a rude awakening when a huge six-foot snake fell from his bedroom ceiling and landed on him while he slept. The State Department of Environmental Conservation said Wednesday one of its officers responded to a call in New York from a man who said a snake fell on, fell on him while he was sleeping in his apartment. And uh, the uh, uh, officers got there and found out that a six-foot-long boa constrictor escaped its enclosure in another apartment, and the snake then fell from the ceiling of the downstairs apartment where it landed on a man sleeping in bed. I don't know that i ever be able to sleep in my bed again. And this goes to my point about snakes. They always escape their enclosures. It doesn't matter who the guy or girl is who has a snake as a pet. The snake gets out of the cage every time. And this is why I'm so anti-snake. I'm so anti-pets. Would you guys ever be able to sleep again if a six-foot snake from your ceiling fell on you? I mean, this is literally the worst thing that I think could happen while you are sleeping. This is nightmare fuel, extraordinary degree. It's time to move. Right? I mean, I don't even know if moving would help. I mean, I guess, like, if you live in an apartment, this is one of the downsides of living in an apartment that something like this could happen. I I, I just, I, I'm done. We had this discussion a while back where we were like, how hot would a girl have to be if you found out that she kept 11 snakes as pets? I don't think that there is a level of hot that if I walked in on a date and I saw that a girl lived in an apartment or a house where she had 11 snakes that I would be able to date her. I certainly wouldn't sleep in the house and I can't imagine being willing to date her. There's no such thing as 11 snakes hot. Uh, I I can't even conceive of how to respond to this worst case scenario. Anybody ever have this fear too of snakes in a bed? They have snakes on a plane, which was the Samuel L. Jackson uh, show. Anybody else terrified of having like a snake while you're sleeping suddenly end up in your bed? Or is this a total fear that I have that nobody else has? Uh, I, I I will admit I have not had that uh, that fear about snakes in the bed. Would you be able to sleep again if a snake fell through the ceiling while you were sleeping? And yes, because you? I really love my sleep, but it, it would probably be uh, be a while before I got a sound sleep. Roberto, what about you? I never had the fear of snakes in my bed, but I do hate snakes. Why would I have that fear? It's not like is, is that innate? Why would there's not been a movie where there was like a snake? You know, like everybody's afraid of going into the ocean because of Jaws. I don't understand why I would be so afraid of that happening. Why would that be a fear? Like, it's not as if it's ever happened before. Maybe you have some repressed childhood, uh, you know, trauma that you that you can't even remember. Maybe I need to go to hypnosis. You know who else had a big fear of snakes? Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Indiana Jones and uh, and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was right? kind of all he was afraid of. Yeah, that's pretty scary. And by the way, I saw a news story where they are making the new Indiana Jones. Did you see that? They bumped it back to like 2021. Oh, wow. Harrison Ford is steer, still going to star in it, but he's going to be 79 years old when they release that movie. You think they'll kill off Indiana Jones like they killed off, spoiler alert, Han Solo? Well, he he was pushing for the Han Solo thing for, for decades, so yes. he finally got his wish. I think he likes Indiana Jones more than Han Solo. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't, I don't know if they talked about this story 
when I was out last week. But this is also unbelievable. A man was killed by a polar bear. Uh, Aaron oh, yeah. Gibbons. Did you guys talk about that on the show when uh, I was out? I I talked about it off the air. I don't know if we talked about it on the air. Uh, this We need to come back in at the top of hour two because uh, Gibbons was with his kids, yeah. uh, and he died defending his kids while he was attacked by a polar bear. And I saw this article that I'm reading about the polar bear thing, and it was crazy to me because you don't think very much about man coming into contact with polar bear, but in this village – uh, they do all sorts of stuff. It's called a fact of life that you could have interactions with polar bears. Uh, living in the edge of the community myself, I've seen firsthand how the bears migrate here uh, and how ten- tense it can get. Uh, it's always something that people are mindful of. It's always something that I think people are concerned about in terms of the risks. Uh, October and November are peak polar bear months there, uh, and they have a polar bear patrol program to monitor polar bears and make sure they also in this neighborhood they don't do trick-or-treating they do it indoors because of polar bears you want to talk about just the ultimate don't be a pussy willow lifestyle they can't do trick-or-treating in this town because of polar bears so they move it indoors into the gym because they're afraid of kids or parents getting attacked by polar bears while out trick-or-treating that is a sentence that I never thought I would suggest. Afraid of a polar bear attack during trick-or-treating. Uh, first hours in the books. Hour two, we're going up to Buffalo. We're going to find out what's happening with LaShawn McCoy. How much danger is there associated with that story? We'll also continue to break down Croatia's big win over England, where Camarlo Anthony is going to go. And I think as we start off hour two, we will also dive into the upcoming World Cup finale. All that and more. I'll keep the coverage. Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. If you're just waking up, Croatia beat England, breaking the soul, stealing the soul of English soccer fans everywhere, preventing a England versus France uh, matchup. Continued the thousand-year rivalry between those two countries, one of the biggest rivalries in all of Western civilization and all of human history. Not going to happen. Instead, Croatia, only 4 million people going to advance on Sunday. Tomorrow, we'll talk to Stu Holden about that. We broke it down quite a bit in hour one. Encourage you to go check that out. If you're downloading the podcast out there uh, and you're uh, and you're not downloading the podcast, well, join the club. Millions of people are doing it. Hour two, we're going to go up to Buffalo. We're going to talk about this LaShawn McCoy case, get the latest there, uh, and uh, see what the Bills are going to do about their best offensive weapon. How do you respond to this story kind of hanging out there? Reports are that LaShawn McCoy has uh, hired a top defense attorney in the Atlanta area, the same guy who represented Ray Lewis when he was charged with murder in the wake of the, I guess it was 1999 or 2000 Super Bowl uh, down in Atlanta in the Buckhead area. That is obviously a, uh, a story that we'll be paying attention to. Hour three, we are going to uh, talk with John Morosi as we get closer and closer to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which is on Tuesday, I believe, of next week. Next week, the 17th, is Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Uh, but as we get started here in hour two, I saw a couple of stories that I thought were really intriguing. One, uh, Tim Tebow played in the AA All-Star Game last year. And if you listen to this show for a while, we did Tebow watch for a long time. 
And Tebow Watch was, you know, what's going on with Tim Tebow and his pursuit of Major League Baseball. And he started off in Rookie League ball, then he moved up to single A. Now he's in double A. He was an all-star last night in the double A all-star game. He had a double in his first at bat. He went one for four. Guys, I think Tim Tebow is going to play in Major League Baseball. Now, there hasn't been a large amount of attention that has been on Tebow this year or even last year. It's like the media kind of just pulls back. But I think it's fair to say at this point that Tim Tebow has drastically exceeded all reasonable expectations for how he was going to do in minor league baseball. A lot of people rolled their eyes when Tim Tebow at 27, 28 years old decides, hey, I haven't played baseball since I was in high school, but I'm going to go play baseball now. The guy is performing at an incredible level relative to him trying to catch back up with baseball again. And I now believe, if you look at the Mets, the Mets are awful. I don't even know why the Mets uh, are, uh, you know, they've kind of fallen apart. They have absolutely no hope to advance at this point. Sorry, Mets fans. Uh, Anywhere very substantial in uh, Major League Baseball. I'm pulling up the standings because I don't pay attention to them on a day-to-day basis. But right now, the Mets are 37-53, and and they are 13.5 games back of the Atlanta Braves. That means there's a lot of no reason at all to play for the Mets coming down the stretch. And if my math is right, and live math on this show is always a little bit dangerous, they are 90 games into the season right now. So when you do the math on that, 90 games into a 162-game season, they're basically done. Why not call Tim Tebow up at the end of the year when you have the call-ups in late September, early October, and you can bring up prospects and let him play in Major League Baseball. Uh, Is that a crazy idea? Do you guys agree with me that Tebow now, while it was laughable, I think, initially, that Tebow was going to be a very good baseball player, if Tim Tebow right now were 22 instead of 30, and he were having the success that he's having right now, I think they'd be pretty ecstatic about his possibilities with the Mets uh, or with any other Major League Baseball team. I want to poll the crew Do you guys agree with me? Because I believe that Tim Tebow is going to play Major League Baseball now. I don't know necessarily how many games of Major League Baseball he's going to play, but I think he's going to come up and I think he's going to play at least one full Major League Baseball game, which will, I think, really send Tim Tebow's critics into the stratosphere. The guy just decided he wanted to play baseball, and as a result, he has committed himself to it And I think he's going to advance to Major League Baseball. Obviously, we've seen two-way players before. Bo Jackson, Brian Jordan, Deion Sanders. It's sort of become not very common now. But do you agree with me that Tim Tebow is going to join a very small group of people who will have started a game in the NFL and also started a game in Major League Baseball? I'll start with you, Justin Cooper. Do you believe Tebow will start and play a game in Major League Baseball? I do agree with you, and I don't know why... I don't think the Mets should wait that long to do it. I feel like there's not really much excitement from the fan base, and that's something that could, you know, drum up ticket sales a little bit, get people talking, you know, and then who knows? It could even help the team. Yeah, I mean, look, he's hitting around 260, but in his in the fat in the past, like I think it's 20 games, he's hitting 320. He's hit pretty well. He's starting to hit for some decent power. Like I said, he had a double in the All Star game to lead off. Uh, early in that early in that game, went one for four, played all nine innings. So you're on the Tebow will play in the Major League Baseball camp with me, Justin Cooper, and you also agree with me that it makes sense 
to go ahead if you're the Mets and your season is is already basically shot. You're 13 and a half games out of first place. You have no chance. Why not bring up Tebow and at least have some excitement? And oh, by the way, sell a ton of uh, New York Mets Tim Tebow jerseys. What about you, Eddie Garcia? You agree with me? He's going to play Major League Baseball. Uh, and would you do it if you were the Mets? Uh, yes, and yes. Um, I think he look. He's showing improvement. He's learning his craft. He was a Double A All Star. Um, you know, I've heard some talk about maybe having him take the next step to Triple A. Yeah, I would. I up. would. I would yeah. not do that. Uh, I would strike while the iron's hot. Uh, he's 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 playing well now. Your team's going nowhere, and this will definitely bring you some headlines and some interest. I can't. I mean, I watched a couple of baseball games earlier in the year. I haven't watched a, an entire baseball game in months. If Tim, to- Tim Tebow plays for the Mets, I will tune in and at least start watching the game just to see how he's doing. There's a 100% chance I watch. I'm, I'm with you in the regular season of baseball. I just find it really difficult to pay much attention. I understand. People say, why don't you talk more baseball? And by the way, we are going to talk to John Morosi in hour three, and we have him on weekly to talk about baseball. It's because uniquely baseball is a very regional and localized sport. You care only about your team. So if I come on and I start talking about the St. Louis Cardinals, well, St. Louis Cardinal fans care, but nobody else knows what's going on. If I come on and I start talking about the Mets or the Yankees or until it gets into the playoffs and nobody cares, whereas the NBA, everybody cares about the best teams in the NBA. NFL, you can always talk about it. I think college football, too, there's a lot of people paying attention to the top teams in those sports and the top players. Major League Baseball, it just doesn't happen. And I don't know if it's because there's too many games and it's hard to keep track of. It's an interesting question. By the way, we don't talk about regular season NHL or NBA very much on uh, this show because regular season in those sports are so long, they don't matter very much. Having said all that, I'm all in. If Tebow is playing in Major League Baseball, I am watching. Uh, What about you, Roberto? Are you also of the belief that he'll play in Major League Baseball, and should the Mets pull him up? Yeah, uh, desperate times call for desperate measures, so I think the Mets are eventually going to end up calling him up and see if he can sell some tickets. All right, going to toss out the number 877-996-6369. I'm curious, do you agree? Would you believe would join me in believing that Tim Tebow is going to play? I think it might happen this year. And actually, the bet online guys have put up a prop bet. They sometimes will listen to uh, to the show and pay attention to some of my uh, some of my uh, predictions and suggestions. And they have got a bet up online that you can make, and they say it is plus three hundred that he will not play this year in Major League Baseball. I actually like the other side. I like the uh, Tebow will play, and so uh, you can uh, you can bet on that if you want to. 877-996-6369. I'm going to open up the phone lines. We'll take some of your calls. Then we come back. I'm going to set the table for you. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Tebow and do you think he should play in Major League Baseball. But I'll also go back into this LaShawn McCoy uh, story because I think it's probably the, uh, the, the, the one out there that is the most uh, worthy of uh, discussion when it comes to what do the Bills do? What should the NFL do? How do you respond to allegations that are this serious as a criminal investigation is ongoing? And also the Bills, I believe, are set to come back. Check on this for me to make sure uh, to training camp on July 25th. It looked like the big decision in Buffalo was going to be which of the three quarterbacks, Nathan Peterman, A.J. McCarron, or the new draft pick, Josh Allen, was going to be the starting quarterback. And you at least knew that LaShawn McCoy would be lining up behind you and would be the offensive weapon you could handle hand off to. Now, with all these allegations pending against him, 
We have no idea what's going to transpire. We'll talk a little bit of Tebow. We'll talk a little bit of LaShawn McCoy. And also, this is crazy, Pac-Man Jones got into a fist fight at an Atlanta area airport. I don't know if the crew has watched this video. It's an unbelievable story. We'll talk about that some in hour two as well. I am Clay Travis. Thanks for hanging with us. It is Thursday. Hope your morning is going spectacularly well. We're here in the Geico Outkick Studios on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I'm Clay Travis. It's a confident show. I just put up a poll question. I'm confident that Tim Tebow is going to play in uh, Major League Baseball this year. Um, and uh, I tweeted out, you can find me on Twitter, at Clay Travis. I believe Tim Tebow had a double in the double-A All-Star game last night. That's why I'm thinking about it in particular. Last night was a double-A All-Star game. Tim Tebow made it uh, and had a double in his initial at-bat, played the entire game, went one for four. He'll play a Major League Baseball game for the Mets this year, who are presently 37-53 and 53 and 13 and a half games back. Do you agree with me? I just put up this poll question. Uh, a thousand of you have voted already in the first uh, five minutes on my Twitter feed, at Clay Travis, and yes, he'll play. 78% of you agree that he will play Major League Baseball this year. I opened up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. We got people want to weigh in on a variety of different subjects. We're going to go up to Buffalo here momentarily uh, and talk about the LaShawn McCoy mess, the Bills coming back into uh, to, to training camp in less than two weeks. What do they do about LaShawn McCoy? How does the NFL respond to this? What's going to happen there? Uh, we go to, uh, let's go to Gibbs in Virginia Beach, who's triggered about the fact that uh, that earlier we had a guy who was upset because I got his name wrong. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm super triggered right now. Now, I just want to say that it's super important to uh, get someone's name right. I uh, was working construction, a real non-pussy willow job. Used to call into the Dan Patrick show every day, Gibbs in Virginia Beach, Gibbs in Virginia Beach. I called into the local show a couple of times, and they said, is this the same Gibbs in Virginia Beach that calls into the Dan Patrick show all the time? Curtailed that into a producer gig on the local show. That got me an NFL uh, job with, a, with an NFL agent. Curtailed that. That got me into law school at Carolina, and then that got me... This, by the way, may be the most successful caller to a radio show trajectory of all time. So what do you do well, now? You I practice law? That. But I, you called in all the time. If you became a regular caller and were regularly bringing good arguments to the table, we would get to know you and you would become a regular. And so if you called Justin Cooper, let me pause here for a sec, Justin Cooper, you answer the phone somewhat for Fox Sports Radio. There are people who call into Fox Sports Radio that you recognize their voice, I would imagine, right? Oh, absolutely. And so you are going to get those people's names right. Yeah, yeah. We've got a ton of regulars on the Ben Mallet show. So when you regularly take calls, then those are going to become people that are right. When you don't call in regularly and nobody knows who you are, make a name for yourself by talking well. And then eventually you will be known. So what do you do now? Uh, I practice law now. Yeah. All right. Well, you were successful for a while. Thanks for the call. Uh, We got yesterday. We talked a lot. We didn't take calls on this. I take calls maybe what once or twice a week. Um, and uh, usually that's because we have plenty to talk about on the show, but I do, especially when it's football season, enjoy hearing from uh, from callers, 
And really, I just enjoy putting Jason Martin through the rigor of having to answer phone calls because he would lose his mind. It's like, oh, it's so hard to have to answer. You know how hard it is to sit here and have to pick up the phone when it rings? So uh, so J-Mart was constantly uh, triggered by that. Now, this person doesn't want to give their name if they want to talk about the story that we discussed yesterday, the dying in the uh, the carbon monoxide while having sex story. He said his name was No Name. So, uh-huh. All right, No Name, what you got? Hey, Clay, love your show. Believe in the Constitution and boobs. Uh, I'm in transportation. I did a little survey with some of the people that I had on the, the vehicle yesterday, and it was uh, five to three that they would want their spouse dead. The thing to consider... Hold, hold, pause, pause here for a sec for people who might not have listened yesterday. So this is an amazing story out of New Jersey. Guy comes home. This is 100% true. Guy comes home for uh, to, to the house. He goes out to the garage. He finds that his wife... And the mechanic who was working on her car have died of carbon monoxide poisoning while having sex in her car. Worst mechanic ever to not think, oh, we might die of carbon monoxide poisoning here. And the question was, and I don't remember, Cooper, you weren't on the show yesterday, so I'm curious to your answer too. Uh, What would your reaction be if you didn't have kids? If you had kids, I imagine you don't want their mom to die. But if you were just a regular guy and you came home, you're you're married, but you don't have any kids, what would your reaction be if you found your wife dead? Would you rather have come home and found them both dead or come home and caught them actually having sex in front of you? Uh, and you polled uh, the no name there. You polled and you said five to three in favor of dead. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the thing to consider is, if she's not dead and you divorce, you lose half your assets. So yeah, and also know, they're, not they're, only that, she might have uh, life insurance, and you might actually get money out of it. Actually, right. So you know, you got to find her dead. That way, you don't lose anything. <laughs> it's a strong argument. Yeah, kids are not. She's a piece of crap. So you know, let yeah. her go. Yeah. Well, the kids thing. I think. Thanks for the call. I think you can't root for your kid's mom to die. That would be. A, that's a tough. That's a tough bridge to get over for most people. But I do think if you have to give up half your assets versus getting some money, it's probably hard to come back from finding your wife having sex with the mechanic. This is my argument from yesterday of I I don't think people want to admit it, but who the affair is with definitely factors in into how easily you can get over it. Because I think that if you are a woman out there and you'll say you're going to work right now and you find out that your spouse, your husband – had an affair with, like, we talked about this with Tiger Woods, the Perkins front desk girl. I think you're like, you know, and I'm trying not to curse here, but you're like, that dude, I knew he was the dirty, rotten guy. He's having an affair with a Perkins waitress. I th- And nothing against Perkins. Could be Shoney's. Could be, like, uh, what's the equivalent of a Shoney's? Denny's. Like, all these places. It's hard for, I think, a lot of women to get past if their husband were having an affair with a Perkins waitress. But if your husband was having an affair with Jennifer Aniston, I think a lot of people would say, well, I mean, it is Jennifer Aniston. Or if it were J-Lo, right? Like the like the quality of who the affair is with, I think factors in on some level. And do you guys, by the way, agree with me on that? Uh, I'll pull the crew here in a sec. And then the second part of this is, I think for, uh, for, for women, um, like for the guy... This is a mechanic. Your wife is having an affair with a 56-year-old mechanic. 20 years older than her. It's like, I can't trust this woman anymore. 
Whereas if she was having an affair with George Clooney, you're like, well, I mean, it was George Clooney. Uh, you know, like, nobody's perfect. You know, I think that there is a sliding chart based on the affair and basically the, 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 the quality of the person that the affair is with. I think in particular for women, because I think that they see themselves in some way in who the affair is with. Do you buy it? First of all, do you, what would your position be? You didn't get to weigh in on this story yesterday, Justin Cooper. What would your position be on uh, the choice between finding your wife, having sex with the mechanic, and being alive, and like you have to try to decide what to do with the relationship going forward, or coming home and finding her dead? See, it's, I, I saw you tweet this story out the other day, and I was actually thinking about this myself, and it's such a deep question with so many factors to it. It's kind of hard to give a, a blanket answer, but you got the first thing that I was thinking of is what's the quality of the marriage before you found out that she's cheating on you, right? It can't be that high if she's having sex with a 56-year-old mechanic. Well, think like, about it, because I was just having this debate with my girlfriend earlier. Now, if there, I think there's two forms of cheating, right? Now, there's there's like the completely sexually motivated like you get you get caught up in the moment and you know you're you're, you're horny and then which that is, just happens which is which is almost all guys right almost all this is like the chris rock thing like a man is as faithful as as his options like the perkins waitress <laughs> the perkins waitress is the quintessential like that girl will have sex with me there is absolutely no emotional connection to it at all like you can't tell me that when Tiger Woods was having sex with a Perkins waitress in the parking lot of the Perkins, that there was in any way he was like, you know what, I'd like to spend the rest of my life with this girl. Like, that is clearly a complete sex act that has nothing to do with emotion. And lots of men understand that because sex is less emotional for men, and we can do it and then just be done with it. And, like, that's why prostitution exists, right? There's that great line from Charlie Sheen back when he was being investigated for the uh, Heidi Fleiss uh, issue. He said, why do you pay for sex? And Charlie Sheen said, I don't pay for sex. I pay for them to leave, which is just an unbelievable, it's an unbelievable line. But I think there's a lot of men out there who totally understand that. Like, I want to have sex with this woman for the next 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, and then I'm perfectly fine never seeing her again so like and this is the you know like the Arnold Schwarzenegger I think I mentioned this yesterday Arnold Schwarzenegger got his maid pregnant do you remember that story like Maria Shriver left him because he got the maid pregnant yes and the maid was not a looker maid was not a good-looking woman it's not like it was a French maid like I mean it was a a very unattractive woman and you're like if you had sex Maria Shriver had to be thinking if you slept with our maid you have been sleeping with every woman on the planet, right? Like, because the, it was an unattractive maid, you literally would have sex with anybody if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. By the way, I don't blame the maid for sleeping with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, that's if you're a maid, that's about the highest level of, uh, of, of celebrity sex you're possibly ever going to get. And by the way, she had a kid with him. Uh, so, uh, so Maria Shriver leaves when that story goes public. So what's your position on it? Like, the the... the, the First of all, we never figured out exactly how they ended up dying of carbon monoxide simultaneously, but you come home and you find that situation. So you're arguing it depends on the quality of the relationship beforehand. Yeah, I think if you had like a, you know, a bad marriage, then yeah, maybe that maybe that would be better to to find it in that situation. But if you thought you had a, you know, good marriage and this was like, you know, a super shock to you, then I think you would almost rather find them alive because 
I don't know, finding two dead bodies in your garage might be super scarring in itself. And the fact that it's your wife, somebody else. That how just, much? Okay, how much life insurance would you need in order for you to just say, you know what, I'll just take the money? One million. One, you'd immediately know. A million dollars. I mean, I feel like a million dollars would. I mean, for a, I'm assuming the guy is roughly the age of his wife. I think the wife was like 39 years old. You just get to start completely over. Um, I'm also curious how this story plays, like on the dating scene when he gets back into the into the story. Like a lot of people out there are divorced. You know, widow helpful. Yeah, right. I mean, nobody is turning away from that story, right? I mean, like I came home one day. I was married. I thought I was going to be with her for the rest of my life, and then. I came home and she had died of carbon monoxide poisoning in my garage having sex with my mechanic. I mean, that's like kind of a tough position to be in uh, and uh, in general. Uh, anybody else want to weigh in on this? Did everybody get their opinions in? Roberto, I think I got it. Eddie Garcia, I think I got it. Um, I think we got to get the update, and then we got to go find out what's going on with LaShawn McCoy. So uh, good call. I think uh, as long as there's no kids, I think I root for, for death. Uh, let's bring in uh, Eddie Garcia, what's shaking the world of sports. Well, let's start off with some Major League Baseball and your Geico scoreboard. The Red Sox make it nine wins in a row with a 4-2 victory over the Rangers. Boston's lead on New York atop the AL East is still at three and a half games as the Yankees shut out the Orioles 9-0. Phillies fall to the Mets 3-0 in 10 innings while the Braves beat the Blue Jays 9-5. So Atlanta moves back into a tie with Philadelphia for first in the NL East. Dodgers down the Padres 4-2 while the Rockies roll over the Diamondbacks 19-2. Arizona's lead over LA atop the NL West is down to a half. Half game, and it was the uh, Giants beating the Cubs 5-4 in 13 innings. Marlins beat the Brewers 5-4 in 12 innings. So with losses by both Milwaukee and Chicago, the lead atop the NL Central for the Brewers is still at a game and a half on the Cubs. Semifinal action at the World Cup. Croatia gets a goal in extra time to beat England 2-1 in advance to their first ever World Cup final. They'll face France on Sunday in the title game. 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can see it on Fox. This report is brought to you by TrueCar. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore. With True Price from TrueCar, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good stuff as always. We are going to be joined, I think. Do we have him? Uh, Justin Cooper, we're headed up to, uh, to Buffalo to talk with Matthew Fairburn. Uh, he is uh, good to go. He uh, covers the Buffalo Bills for The Athletic. Uh, you can subscribe to The Athletic. They have a lot of different uh, beat writers and people who are out there covering your favorite teams. Uh, and Matthew is with us right now. What do the Bills do? I mean, I think that's the question everybody's asking in the wake of the LaShawn McGoy allegations. We're now, I think, uh, what, 11 or 12 days uh, away till they actually start training camp. What's the decision here? Yeah, the Bills are in a tough spot with this one. I mean, they've since Sean McDermott got here, they've talked about culture and doing things the right way on and off the field. And, you know, obviously if there's any shred of truth to any of these allegations, I think, you know, they don't have too much of a choice besides to move on from LaShawn McCoy. But at the moment, we don't know if there's any shred of truth to any of this uh, one way or the other. So I think at the moment they're gathering facts. They're trying to figure out the information and, a lot of it's out of their hands because even if LaShawn McCoy isn't charged or convicted in a court of law, the NFL has shown that they don't necessarily need that to discipline a guy. So they could put him on the exempt list and then he wouldn't be able to practice or play. And obviously the timing of this makes it very tricky for the Bills because 
they report to training camp on July 25th. So in a couple of weeks, LaShawn McCoy, you know, his status could still be up in the air. I don't see this getting resolved very quickly, just given how complicated it seems this situation is. So it puts the Bills in a very tight spot, and they're going to have to make, you know, it's easy to preach culture and, you know, doing things the right way. But when it's your star player and really the only player you have on offense as a weapon, then it becomes a little bit harder to stick by your guns. No kidding at all. We're talking with uh, Matthew Fairburn. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Fairburn. So I am fascinated by this. You kind of hit on the timing there. They come into camp on the 25th. For the Bills, the best thing that could happen, I mean this honestly, is probably that, uh, well, there's a couple of things could happen. One, he could be completely cleared, and that's the best thing that could happen for the Bills. I think the odds of that happening in the next 12 days based on my experience, criminal justice system, this investigation, the conflicting stories and everything else, are very low. It's very unlikely that the police are going to come out and say, you know what, LaShawn McCoy had nothing at all to do with this. The fact that he's retained the attorney who represented Ray Lewis uh, in his murder trial down in Atlanta kind of gives you an indication that there might be something to this in terms of the danger that he is facing. I think what's more likely is there hasn't been a resolution because honestly I think the second best thing for the Bills would be if he gets charged and then they can just cut him and the story's over but if neither of those things happen and they're kind of stuck in this middle ground what do you do do you let him come to training camp do you let him start assume that nothing is resolved and we don't know anything more than we do right now in 12 days you are the Bills what do the Bills do it's, it's a fascinating question, and I think that's at the center of this whole thing because, like you said, they could have an easy way out if he's cleared. They could have an easy way out if he's charged. And they could even have an easy way out if the NFL puts him on the exempt list. But if it's the burden is placed on the bills here to make the decision, I tend to think they're going to let this thing play out and wait and see. I mean, they've been a little bit lenient with some of this stuff in the past with other guys that have been you know, charged with things that the one example I can think of under Sean McDermott is Adolphus Washington last summer, you know, had a a weapons charge against him that had ongoing, you know, legal procedures and they did let him come to camp and practice. So a lot can happen in the next 13 days before the bills have to report to camp. And maybe, you know, a lot of this will depend on where exactly things stand and and how the story lines up. But I wouldn't be surprised if they let this guy come to camp. I mean, Sean McDermott has stood by LaShawn McCoy, uh, you know, basically from the day he got here. They had a chance to trade him last summer and didn't do it. So this is a guy that they believe in. They could have traded him this off off season as well. So if they're stuck in limbo and, you know, they're the ones who have to make a decision, I, I find it hard to believe they would keep him home. We're talking to uh, Matthew Fairburn. He covers the Buffalo Bills for The Athletic. Okay, what is the fan reaction? Because sometimes fans will rally around players, particularly when, as you just mentioned, I think by far LaShawn McCoy is the most well-known Buffalo Bill, the best offensive weapon on this team. What have you gathered about how Bills fans have responded in the early days of these allegations? You know, it's been a little bit crazy because when the first photo went viral, which was, you know, very graphic and disturbing to look at, you know, the the reaction in the, the couple hours after that was, you know, put this guy behind bars, don't ever let him touch the football field again. 
Then LaShawn McCoy denies it, and for a couple hours the reaction was, you know, real negative against, you know, the accuser and the victim, saying, you know, all this stuff's made up. They're trying to tear down LaShawn McCoy's career. But now you can just sense that fans are just uneasy with the whole thing. The more information that comes out, you know, you mentioned him hiring the lawyer that represented Ray Lewis. Pretty much everybody has had the same reaction as you, saying, well, if he's hiring him, you know, there might be something here. And he's gearing up for a fight. And I think that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And, look, it's easy to, you know, say that you want to have good guys on your team and things like that. But like I said, when when it's LaShawn McCoy, it it starts to, you know, make things a little bit tough. Uh, You know, that's a guy that everybody in Buffalo loves. And like you said, he's one of the most recognizable players on the entire roster. So I think once this thing starts to drag on and, and we get a sense of, you know, how legitimate some of these allegations are, Bills fans are in a spot where they're not exactly going for broke on 2019. They know this is a long rebuild, and, you know, they're probably uh, a couple years away from competing. So I think they'll probably sense that, hey, look, this guy turns 30 years old today, and how many good years did he really have left here anyways? Maybe he's not worth the headache. But fans love this guy, and, and they're definitely uncomfortable with the whole situation, and really just hoping, you know, for the best at this point. You mentioned that the expectations may not be very high. Certainly the number one story prior to this one breaking was going to be the battle for the quarterback position between Nathan Peterman, A.J. McCarron, and the first-round draft pick, uh, Josh Allen. What do you think and see coming out of this battle, and how does LaShawn McCoy's uncertainty maybe factor in in terms of who gets the job? That'll be interesting to see. You know, in the spring, what – what it looked like, you know, was Nathan Peterman had taken a pretty big step from the last time we saw him on the field, uh, which wasn't too pretty. A.J. McCarron was a bit underwhelming in the spring. I think a lot of people around the country assumed when he was signed that he would kind of win the job with ease, but it doesn't look that way based on the spring. But there's no question that Josh Allen is the most talented quarterback on this roster. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and wins the job in training camp in the preseason. The question is whether Sean McDermott will be willing to give him the job, even if he does win it. He might have to win it by a considerable margin for them to be willing to put him into action week one, especially if LaShawn McCoy is not going to be available. I mean, as it is, this offensive line lost three starters from a year ago, including Richie Incognito, who's been one of the best guards in the league over the last few years. They didn't do anything to upgrade a wide receiver position that has just Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones. So there was already some concern among fans here about putting in your rookie quarterback behind an inexperienced offensive line and without a lot of weapons. You take away LaShawn McCoy, all of a sudden it's really not looking good for that rookie quarterback. You got Chris Ivory in the backfield and and the lack of weapons that I just mentioned. So I would think... Sean McDermott's the type to err on the side of caution to begin with and would probably make Josh Allen really earn this job. But if they don't have LaShawn McCoy, I think that makes it less likely that they would throw him in early. But it also makes it more likely that we'll see him sooner rather than later because if this team starts losing games and they have a tough early season schedule, the more games they lose early on, the quicker we're going to see Josh Allen. But 
I don't know if it'll be week one if LaShawn McCoy isn't behind him in the backfield. We're talking to Matthew Fairburn. Uh, final question for you. Uh, was there a total scramble among people who cover the Bills? This is supposed to be the last good break you guys are going to get before training camp starts, and then this story sort of lands like a bombshell. How stunned were you that this became uh, a story this rapidly, right? It kind of came out of nowhere. You're expecting in two weeks, let's cover the quarterback battle. Then, boom, I know a lot of your coworkers and a lot of people who cover the Bills up there with you are scrambling themselves because this is their vacation time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even the even the people that handle public, public relations for the Bills were in the same boat. I was on the golf course with a couple of those guys and, and the guy who covers the Bills for the Associated Press. And we all kind of looked down at our phones at the same time. We were on, like, hole six. Yeah. And we're like, uh-oh, uh, this round <laughs> yeah. isn't going to be – our scores started plummeting. I, I definitely blame – I was on my way to breaking 90 before this story broke. Uh, <laughs> and I totally blame this story. But it was – it created a bit of a mad scramble. There's a lot of guys that are on vacation. There's, you know, guys that you just don't expect something like this to happen in the middle of July, although – with the way things have gone with the Bills over the last few years, we probably should have expected something. I mean, it was only a couple summers ago that one of their assistant coaches was allegedly, you know, you know, threatening minors on a beach over beach chairs. I mean, it's always something this time of year. There's, there's really never any break in the NFL. Amen. I appreciate you getting up early with us, hanging out with us. That's Matthew Fairburn. Go follow him on Twitter. He's at The Athletic. We'll continue to follow what's going to happen with LaShawn McCoy. Final segment, hour two. Up next, who made the most money in college football last year? Results may surprise you. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. As people who love the outdoors, Bass Pro Shops know what they stand for. They stand for great gear, Fair prices, expert service, and memorable experiences at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. They stand together for you. It's a fun place to just go in and walk around. You got kids. It's hot. You're in the mall. And, you know, it's like 95 degrees outside or whatever. Going to a Bass Pro Shop, I mean, that's like, even if you're not an outdoorsman, pretty cool to walk around, just hang out, uh, and help to pass some time. I do that. Uh, they had... A couple of those stores around Nashville, and uh, I've done that a decent amount of time with my kids um, just to entertain them, if nothing else. They had the big uh, fish tanks and everything else going on in there. I uh, I saw this data come out, um, and I'm going to open up phone lines because I'm curious whether people can rapidly get these. But the USA Today every year puts out a list of the largest football programs in terms of revenue in the entirety of the uh, the country. And so football basically funds every part of the athletic department at every major school. And so uh, I'm curious whether and how quickly the OutKick crew can come up with the 10 largest college football programs. This is according to the USA Today data that has just come out. Uh, College football inching closer and closer. Next week, uh, we are going to be live broadcasting from Atlanta for uh, Southeastern Conference SEC Media Days, which to me is kind of the unofficial kickoff of college football. We were just talking with uh, Matthew Fairburn. I appreciate him getting up early. If you enjoyed him, uh, go follow him on Twitter uh, at Matthew Fairburn. Thank him for getting up early with us to talk about the Bills uh, and everything surrounding LaShawn McCoy. When NFL training camps open, that's to me kind of the official start of football season. And the kickoff event for me all the time, it's usually the week before that, 
is SEC Media Days because it's the first of the college football events to happen. And then once you get into training camp, the NFL preseason games happen quickly and you find out whether or not you know guys are going to stay healthy, who's going to win these battles, and everything else. So next week we'll be live in Atlanta. We'll be doing the show. I'll find out if it's open to public to the public at all. The SEC is going to Atlanta for the first time ever. They've been in Birmingham every year for the SEC media days in years past. We're at the Omni, which I think is right there at the CNN Center. CNN, of course, banned me for saying I loved uh, the First Amendment and boobs, so maybe I'll swing by and see my good friend Brooke Baldwin. Um, but uh, but we're going to be there. I'll let you know if it's going to be live. Sometimes Radio Row is live and open and to the public, which, for instance, it is at uh, at uh, sometimes the Super Bowl. Other times it's uh, it's restricted and there's no access. So I'll find out there if you're a fan in Atlanta. I think, Justin Cooper, you told me in June our biggest podcast download market in the country was Atlanta. So we obviously have a, a huge collection of people who are listening uh, in Atlanta every morning. Uh, and so maybe it'll be open if you're in Atlanta to come by. But I'm going to open up the phone lines. Can you name the 10 largest athletic departments in the country for football? Okay, the 10 biggest football College football programs in America, as defined by revenue, are which schools? 877-996-6369. I will take your calls. We'll see how quickly we can get those 10. I think I've got all 10. You got all 10 of them just off the top of your head right now? I think so. Uh, Justin Cooper is a genius, evidently. I think I would be able to get a lot of these uh, off the top, but I'm curious what our guesses will look like. And so uh, Justin Cooper will field your calls. Hopefully he'll get your names right. Uh, 877-996-6369 is that phone number. Also in hour three, we're going to talk with John Morosi. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game is coming up on Tuesday, I believe. We'll find out what uh, is going to to happen uh, in the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And also, what does Morosi think about my idea that Tim Tebow will play in Major League Baseball before the end of the year? Right now, let me see. We've got a poll question up. And you can go vote in that poll question, and it was straightforward. Tim Tebow played last night in the double-A All-Star game, and he got a double in his first at-bat. My belief is that he will play at some point this year for the Mets, who are now 37-53, and 13-and-a-half games back. 6,000 of you have voted so far in the 40 minutes that this poll has been up. 77% of you agree that he will play in Major League Baseball this year. You can go vote there at Clay Travis. Your picks, top 10 programs next on OutKick. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Congrats to Croatia. They broke England's heart. They stole the soul of the Englishman. After being up 1-0 and looking in great shape, 39 minutes of the game, Harry Kane has a chance maybe to put away the game. Can't finish inside in the goal there. And so as a result, Croatia comes storming back, ties it up with about 20 minutes to go in the second half after a dominant second half performance. And then in extended time gets a goal for the win. Croatia will now play against France on Sunday in the World Cup finale, the championship. Croatia, which has roughly the same population as the state of Kentucky, the same number of people as the metro area of Detroit. Incredible accomplishment for that country. And uh, as a result, uh, we'll be talking with Stu Holden tomorrow in hour two. He'll join us live from Russia, and he'll be calling this game uh, for the World Cup uh, finale there, the championship game for Fox from Russia, from Moscow. 
and uh, we'll break down that game with him and have him also assess the state of American soccer going forward um, and also kind of contextualize for us what he thinks about uh, England's chances. Very young team, uh, but a tough defeat there indeed. Um, We just talked an hour or two. If you're out there listening and you missed some of the earlier part of the show, you're just waking up across the country, I would encourage you to go listen to the podcast. We talked in hour two with Matthew Fairburn, who covers the Buffalo Bills for The Athletic, and uh, we'll continue to follow all of the updates in LaShawn McCoy case. Uh, We talked about that some yesterday. It's an allegation so far that he was involved in a robbery and a beating of a woman. She is alleging, uh, or her friend is alleging, that he was uh, he was the impetus. He was the person who had caused that to occur. Uh, there have not been any charges filed. The police have been fairly tight-lipped about this investigation so far. But it is worth mentioning that LaShawn McCoy has now retained the same criminal defense attorney who represented Ray Lewis in the Atlanta area when Lewis was charged with murder. And so, uh, I it, look, I'm a lawyer. I certainly don't begrudge anybody getting the best legal representation they possibly can anytime a legal-related issue arises. Having said that, I do think this is a sign that LaShawn McCoy is not expecting this story to go away quickly, that he has now retained the same criminal defense attorney who represented Ray Lewis in a murder charge. I think LaShawn McCoy is aware that if he is charged with a crime here at all, I think his NFL career is probably over. Given those photos that were out of the victim, given the current uh, world that we live in of this uh, of this Me Too era, I don't think there would be anybody in the NFL that would say, oh, you know what, I definitely want to uh, to be uh, with, that, with this guy on my team anymore. Particularly given the fact that as good as LaShawn McCoy has been, He's rapidly advancing upon the age of 30, and most NFL running backs, once they hit 30, uh, are not the same running back in the years ahead. So all of that is uh, is at play. All of those are the major stories that continue to unpack themselves. We also talked about Tim Tebow. Poll question is up. Do you think Tim Tebow will play in the major leagues this year? He played in the AA All-Star game last night and got a double. I'll ask that question of John Morosi, who's going to join us a little bit later in this hour to break down the status of uh, the Major League Baseball situation. But this is kind of fun. USA Today every year puts out a list of the top 10 biggest college football programs by revenue. These are the programs that bring in the most money. And I uh, tossing it out to you, 877-996-6369. You guys can load up the phone lines. we got a bunch of people waiting. I'm going to go to you. I only want one guess. Give me a team that you feel is you are most confident in is in the current top 10 for the biggest football programs, college football programs in the country. Okay, Justin Cooper is going to answer the phone calls for you. 877-996-6369. Let's go to uh, Sal in in Youngstown, I believe. Sal, who you got? Which team are you most confident is in this list? Definitely Texas, University of Texas. Yeah, it's a good guess. Uh, Top school revenues uh, from USA Today. Again, they do this every single year. And uh, I always find this this fascinating. And it just came out. uh, Texas is number one on the list. So number one is off the board. Texas did, this is crazy, nearly $215 million in revenue last year. 
in its football program. Sal and Youngstown marked Texas off. They were number one, the biggest college football program in the country. Michael in Illinois. Who you got, Michael? Uh, Notre Dame. Okay, I'm going to give you another guess. I should have said this, or I was waiting for somebody to guess one of these programs. I don't think, first of all, I don't think Notre Dame's in the top 10. I don't think they are because they don't make as much money off their television contract as a lot of these other schools do. Remember, the Texas has the Longhorn Network. SEC has the SEC Network. Big Ten Network has a, a Big Ten has the Big Ten Network. Notre Dame's a private school. So Notre Dame, USC, the private schools are not included in this list, okay? Because they, they have to do different reporting requirements. We don't know their actual numbers. So I'll allow you to pick another, another team. All right, second guess, uh, we'll go with Florida. Florida, the Gators. Where do the Gators uh, sort of rank on this list? Florida is number eight. The Florida Gators are number eight on this list. And you want to talk about a major drop-off. I mean, Florida's still got a huge athletic department. $149 million in total revenue for the Florida Gators. Remember, this is just football, uh, but Texas did $215 million. So big drop-off between 1 and 8. 877 if you want to weigh in. Uh, let's go to Quentin in San Antonio. Who you got, Quentin? All right. All right. going to be a little biased. I'll go Texas A&M University. It's good. Uh, they love football in the state of Texas. Number one, Texas Longhorns. Number two, may surprise people. This is why a lot of people believe it's a sleeping giant, why they were able to pay Jimbo Fisher $75 million to leave behind Florida State. Texas A&M, second biggest football revenue in the country last year. Texas did just shy of $215 million. Texas A&M did just shy of $212 million. Everything is indeed bigger in Texas. Let's go to Felicia in Jacksonville. What's up, Felicia? Hello. How about um, Penn State? Oh, Bill, sir, who did you say? Penn. Penn State. I thought you said Kansas State. I was about to say, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, my God, that is going to be difficult. Penn State is actually, good guess, but 14th on this list. Penn State, 14th biggest athletic department. I thought she said Kansas State. I was about to, uh, I was, I was about to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. This, is, this is the first uh, court sort of out-of-nowhere uh, suggestion. 877-996-6369. First miss, not a bad miss, 14th overall. Uh, let's go to Brad in Kentucky. Brad, what you got? Uh, my original answer I already got took. It was uh, Texas A&M, but we'll go with, say, Alabama. Alabama, good guess. Nick Saban. One of the great points of the uh, of the Alabama Crimson Tide era is the impact that Nick Saban has had, not just on the football program, but the university as a whole. Uh, the population in Alabama among students, this, this surprises a lot of people. You know, over half the students at the University of Alabama now are from outside the state of Alabama. If you don't recognize how good of a university Alabama has become uh, as the football team has surged, it's an incredible story of what athletics can do to advance the overall undergraduate, academic, and graduate school experience, frankly. Alabama, number five overall, $174 million for the football program. So for those of you out there just starting off your day, 877-996-6369, Texas is one. Texas A&M is two. We've got Bama at five. We got Florida at eight. Four of the top ten uh, have been grabbed so far. Let's go to uh, Chris in West Palm Beach. What's up, Chris? Yes, uh, Northwestern. (laughs) 
I was already going. I was going to guess Alabama, but uh, I'm going to guess Northwestern. Yeah, that's an awful, awful guess, Chris. Uh, off the board, uh, Northwestern is not very high on this list. It's also a private school, so Northwestern is not listed. There's a zero percent chance that Northwestern is one of the ten biggest athletic departments when it comes to football in the country. Chris in West Palm Beach, I would say that's the first complete fail that we've had on trying to diagnose the top ten here. Shane in Kentucky. What's up, Shane? Hey, how's it going? Um, I was going to say the big house, Michigan. Yeah, good guess. Uh, Michigan is number four overall uh, in the Big Ten, out of the Big Ten. Michigan is at $185 million in revenue that their football program brought in last year. Uh, A good guess on uh, the Wolverines. Brad in Illinois, what you got? State University. Which one? Ohio State University, yeah. the Buckeyes. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State, Brad and uh, Illinois. Oh, this is roll Tide. Yeah, Roll Tide. Uh, this is fascinating to me. Ohio State and Michigan. We know they compete closely in football every year. Big rivalry. It's amazing how close they are in total revenue. Like, this kind of blows my mind. Ohio, this is according to the USA Today database. Ohio State last year did... One hundred and eighty-five thousand, one hundred and eighty-five million four hundred and nine dollars. Okay, that's a that's a big number. Four hundred and nine thousand six hundred and two dollars. All right, Michigan did a hundred and eighty-five million, a hundred and seventy-three thousand, and one hundred and eighty-seven dollars. These two schools that compete so aggressively in everything football related were. $200,000 apart on revenue in their athletic departments for football, which is, and again, me doing live math on the air is always a uh, always a challenge, but $370 million total between the two of them, $200,000 separated them. That's pretty remarkable. And the same thing true, by the way, Texas, Texas A&M, also big rivals. They're both fueling each other by going head-to-head so often. So if you're out there right now, uh, 877-996-6369, pretty good guesses by and large, other than the Northwestern guy. Texas is the biggest athletic department, biggest football team, biggest football revenue in the country. Texas A&M's number two, Ohio State three, Michigan four, Alabama five, and Florida is eight. That is what we have gotten from the top 10 so far. A lot of you weighing in, uh, and uh, I will continue. I think we just had uh, Brad in Illinois. Let's go to Brandon in Indianapolis. What's up, Brandon? I think you got to go to Oklahoma. they got to be on the list. Yeah, good guess. Uh, the Sooners weigh in at $155 million, number seven on this list, football revenue. The Sooners are at number seven. Their big rival, Texas, Number one overall, two hundred and fifteen million. The Big Twelve. I'll just tell you this right now as a hint: only two Big Twelve schools that are in the top ten are uh, are Texas and Oklahoma. In fact, the next highest rated Big Twelve team to kind of give you an idea of how top heavy the Big Twelve is: West Virginia in number twenty seven spot. So the Big 12, you have two top 10s in Oklahoma and in Texas, and then you have to go all the way down to 27 to get another Big 10 school. Let's go to Chris in Tennessee. Chris, Chris dropped off. Let's go to Justin. Justin down in Jacksonville. What's up, Justin? Go with Georgia. Yeah. Uh, the Florida-Georgia game takes place every year in Jacksonville. Not a surprise. The world's largest cocktail party. Somebody would weigh in down there. Georgia slots in at number six overall 
in the biggest college football uh, programs in the country, Georgia, at $158 million. So we now have the top eight, I believe, all guests. So there are only two spots remaining on this list. Uh, I'll take some of your calls. I'll go back to you guys and let you knock that off when we come back out of this break. But let me give you the top eight as we go to break. 877-996-6369. Actually, let me go one more call, and then I'll let uh, Justin recalibrate him here. Uh, John in North Carolina, who you got? Well, we were on such a roll. I don't know what happened there. Uh, All right, so you'll get to guess the last two. Top eight right now. Texas, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Michigan, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Florida, only two schools remaining in the top 10. You guys have done a pretty good job. 877-996-6369. When we come back, we'll also go talk to John Morosi, uh, touch base with him on uh, Major League Baseball as we near the All-Star break. Does he agree with me that Tim Tebow will play in Major League Baseball before the end of the season, or does he think I'm crazy for that? Your calls, you'll get a chance to knock out 9 and 10 on this list. USA Today database, biggest college football programs in America. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We're going to be joined by John Morosi here uh, in a, a little bit. Uh, great music bringing us out of the break there. But I'm talking about uh, the biggest college football programs in the country. And uh, taking your call, see if we can, how quickly you guys can knock out the top 10. I, I think it's kind of fascinating. Texas, number one overall. Texas A&M, number two overall. The only two football programs in the country that do over $200 million in revenue. Texas, two hundred and just shy of $215 million. Texas A&M, just shy of two twelve. You guys have guessed Ohio State and Michigan. It's amazing how close these two schools are. Uh, one is $185.4 uh, million. The other is $185.2 million. Uh, Alabama uh, checks in next. Georgia, who played Alabama for the national championship, is after the Crimson Tide. That's top six. Then we go to the Oklahoma Sooners in the seventh spot. Florida is in the eighth spot. Nine and ten remain open. I'm curious if people can get them. No private schools on this list. No SC. No Notre Dame. Worst guest we've had so far, Northwestern. Rob in New Hampshire. What's up, Rob? Yeah, I heard him start. Yeah, what's up, Rob? Who you got? I got LSU. LSU, boom. Uh, good, good, good call. Uh, New Hampshire knows that uh, LSU uh, cracks in at number nine. Uh, LSU is the ninth biggest college football program in the country according to revenue. Tough year. We'll talk about this some next week as we really kind of kick off college football. Uh, I'll be down in Atlanta for the SEC uh, media days, which to me is the kickoff of college football, kind of the kickoff of the NFL too. Uh, LSU and Ed Ogeron, really tough out-of-the-gate schedule. Uh, LSU is in the nine spot. Let's go to uh, Trey in Austin, Texas. What's up, Trey? Morning, fellas. I'll have to go with Oregon. Oregon, yeah, it's a good guess. Oh, so far, people may be noticing there hasn't been a single Pac-12 school. Oregon is actually 12 on this list. Now, USC is not ranked. Oregon is 12, and then Washington is 20, to kind of give you an indication. Those are the two highest-rated Pac-12 schools. Um, also worth noting, I'll give you a little bit of a hint, 
Uh, there are no ACC schools on the top 10 biggest football programs in the country. The biggest ACC school is Florida State. They are at 13. Let's go now, to... Now, if, if private schools were on the list, you, you got to imagine USC would be on there, right? Maybe. But I, I don't know, uh, honestly. I mean, they're close. I think they'd be around 8, 9, 10, or 11 because I don't think SC, because the Pac-12's television contract is so small that... By and large, television money is big here. And the Pac-12 on their Pac-12 network makes no money off of this. So Oregon makes a lot of money because of Nike. Like Nike has basically just come in and said, hey, we'll do whatever we can. But I think that I think that USC would be in the mix. Uh, I think that Notre Dame would be in the mix. I think those are the only two private schools in the country that would be kind of in the uh, in the arena, so to speak. Uh, let's go, uh, Sean in Fort Lauderdale. What's up, Sean? Hey, Clay. I'm going to go with South Carolina. South Carolina is not a bad guess. I mean, there are other SEC schools that I would put higher. They're at 16. Uh, they are at 16 overall in uh, in the biggest college football programs in the country. Uh, John in Pennsylvania. Who you got? We only got one left in the top 10. Who you got, uh, John in Pennsylvania? Michigan State. Michigan State is an intriguing guess. They're actually all the way down at 21. Uh, Michigan State at 21. Uh, Steve in Houston, who you got? Yes, UCLA, but it sounds like you said there were no more Pac-10 teams on the list. Yeah, I'll give you – UCLA is interesting because uh, this kind of puts into context. I mean, SC people out there, I don't know what SC's football revenue would be, but UCLA is 29th. So UCLA is the 29th biggest athletic department uh, sorry, biggest college football program in the country according to revenue. So you have another guess? Did we lose him? Okay, who who was next? I lost my track Luke. here. Is it uh, Luke in South Dakota? Who you got? Auburn Tigers. Auburn Tigers. Boom. Let's have it. Yes, Auburn is in the 10 spot. Uh, $147 million in college football revenue. So this is kind of intriguing, right? Um, and when you think about rivalries and, uh, and how intense they are, uh, good guess, good work by you guys going through the top 10. I'll give you a couple of others, but Texas, even though they're not playing every year, I think it's fair to say their biggest rival is probably A&M and their biggest rival outside of the state of Texas is Oklahoma. All three of those schools in the top 10, Texas is one, Texas A&M is two, Ohio state, who is Ohio state's biggest rival, Michigan. Michigan is fourth. Ohio State is third. Alabama. Who is Alabama's biggest rival? Uh, Well, it's Auburn. Auburn is 10. Alabama is 5. And by the way, the University of Tennessee is 11. Just barely missed being in the top 10. So Alabama and Tennessee have traditionally been rivals as well. Uh, Georgia is at 6. Who is Georgia's biggest rival? How about the Florida Gators? They're at 8. Oklahoma, I already mentioned, at 7. LSU at 9. Auburn at 10. Uh, For teams that are just outside, this is college football revenue. Tennessee is 11. Oregon, we had an Oregon guest. They are 12. Florida State is 13. They're the highest rated, biggest uh, college football program in the ACC. Then I'll give you the top 20. Penn State. Wisconsin, I think a lot of people are always surprised by the amount of uh, money that Wisconsin brings in. South Carolina, we had that guess. Kentucky, again, this is just football, not basketball. Iowa, I think Iowa surprises a lot of people at 18. Arkansas is 19. Uh, Washington, the Huskies at 20. 
Well, I'll give you the top 25. Michigan State, 21. Louisville, 22. The only other ACC team in the top 25. Nebraska is at 23. Ole Miss is at 24. And Minnesota is at 25. Interestingly, a couple of schools that I think get a lot of attention. Clemson, given what Dabo Sweeney has been able to do, all the way down at 26 on this list. And West Virginia at 27, the only Big 12 school outside of Texas and Oklahoma in the top 30. So wow, that is your you? breakdown. What's that? Where's the U? Uh, my, they're private. Oh. But they wouldn't be very high. Because, uh, again, um, you know, you, I told you that, uh, that the ACC, Florida State is number 13. The ACC television money is nowhere near what the SEC or the Big Ten is. So, uh, so I, I always think this stuff's kind of interesting. I will tweet out the link of the biggest college football programs. This is courtesy of USA Today and let you guys take a uh, d- deep dive into these uh, these numbers as well. So good calls, uh, good suggestions. We knocked them out pretty quickly. Uh, those are the 10 biggest uh, athletic uh, college football programs in the country, according to USA Today. We're going to be joined by John Morosi here momentarily, break down Major League Baseball. But first, let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports today this morning. Well, uh, Clay, let's give you a Geico scoreboard for Major League Baseball where the Red Sox have now won nine in a row following a 4-2 win over the Rangers. Their lead atop the AL East is still at three and a half games on New York as the Yankees shut out the Orioles 9-0. The Phillies and Braves are once again tied for the top spot in the NL East. Phillies lose to the Mets 3-0 in 10 innings. Braves beat the Blue Jays 9-5. Dodgers over the Padres 4-2 while the Diamondbacks were hammered by the Rockies 19-2. So Arizona's lead over LA atop the NL West is down down to one game, and the Cubs and Brewers both lost. Cubs follow the Giants 5-4 in 13. Brewers lose to the Marlins 5-4 in 12 innings, so it's still a game and a half lead for Milwaukee over Chicago. Semifinal action at the World Cup. Croatia gets a goal in extra time to edge England 2-1 and advance to the World Cup final for the first time in that country's history. They'll face France in the World Cup final at Sunday 11 a.m. Eastern time on Fox. This update brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car so visit true car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience now back to clay travis and the geico outkick the coverage studios good stuff as always eddie garcia there we're coming to you live from the geico outkick studios where it's easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier uh let me go ahead i think we got john morosi here uh ready with us uh john question for you right out of the gate uh that you may not have been anticipating Uh, i know you're a college football guy i know you're a michigan fan by the way they check in at number four on the biggest revenue of any college football programs out there so you're familiar with tim tebow he played last night in the double a all-star game we got the major league baseball game all-star game coming up next week do you believe that tim tebow will ever play a game in major league baseball Yes, I do. Uh, Clay, I think he is going to be a New York Met this September. Yeah. I do. I, I think he is. He has advanced far enough. Um, he has developed uh, his baseball skill to the point that it is conceivable, and I, I would even say likely that we see him in a major league uniform in the month of September. It's interesting because uh, I put up a poll question for the Outkick crew uh, earlier this morning. Uh, and I said, I believe Tim Tebow, who had a double in the Double A All Star game last night, will play a Major League Baseball game for the Mets, who are presently thirty-seven and fifty-three, thirteen and a half games back this year. 
uh, and I asked people to vote in this poll as well. And over 10,000 people have voted basically in the first hour because a lot of people care about Tim Tebow. And 77% of them have agreed and said, yes, he will play. Who makes this decision if he does play? How does it come about uh, for those out there at the end of the year when they expand the rosters? Uh, if the Mets remain like they are right now, out of the running, how does this decision go down? Well, Clay, it would, it would be a, a combination of uh, ownership, uh, of course, uh, you know, Fred and Jeff Wilpon uh, with the Mets, and then their front office. Now, right now, the Mets are led by a, a three-person group as the GM because of Sandy Alderson uh, taking leave of absence to battle cancer. So it would be those three, uh, John Rico, J.P. Ricciardi, and Omar Minaya, they'd make a decision about it. Of course, there's some input from the Major League field manager as well, but I, I think, Clay, the, the bottom line on it is this. Tim Tebow has signed a, a professional baseball contract, and he has done what has been asked of him. He's gone down to the, to the minor leagues and worked on this game to the point that he is a credible Major League Baseball prospect. Do, do I think he's going to have a long 10-year career in the Major Leagues? I, I don't. But he has checked enough of the boxes that he can go to the Major Leagues now and, and be a representative baseball player. And most importantly, Clay, and this is really important, he has been a great teammate to his minor league baseball teammates. Now, that doesn't come as a surprise to anybody that's followed him or understands his, his character. But the, I read recently, I believe it was in the New York Times, one of his teammates got called up and just raved about what a teammate he is. And, and bear in mind, he's probably, Clay, on average, seven years older than most of his teammates there, maybe even older than that. Maybe he's even eight years older. So he is by far the oldest player. He's probably by far the least experienced player from the standpoint of professional high-level baseball. But he has done the right things. And I see nothing wrong with, with a team that says, you know what, do I think this is going to help us sell tickets? Yeah, this is business. Uh, selling tickets is part of what you're doing. So I, I think, number one, selling tickets, God bless him. I got no problem with that. And, and number two, he, is, he has done what is asked of him from a standpoint of what he has learned, what, how he has improved. I think it's a great story. And, and, if, and if baseball is big picture, uh, ideally you will, you will obviously grow your own superstars, if you will, and, and market them. But uh, there's nothing wrong with borrowing somebody else's. <laughs> That's what they're doing from college football and pro football. If, if Tim Tebow wears a major league uniform, I think it's, uh, it's going to bring conversation and excitement to our game. So I think it's a, it's a great thing to have happen. Are you? Is it fair to say that Tebow has drastically exceeded the expectations for him at this point? I mean, he was in the Double A All Star Game. He's hitting two sixty something, over three hundred in the last twelve or thirteen games going into the All Star break. Uh, there was a lot of, I think, uh, trepidation about him going into baseball. I feel like he's drastically exceeded expectations. Is that a reasonable, uh, approximate uh, opinion to have? Well, yes. I, I think that there were there were a lot of skeptics out there, Clay, at the time that this started. And actually, I, I covered his workout. I, I, I flew out to Los Angeles. He worked out at Dado Field on the campus of USC because uh, his agents are, are based out there at CAA. So I, I was uh, covering that workout there, and, and the scouts were there. I remember talking to some, some scouts about what they thought, and, and some were skeptical. Others thought that he looked like a minor league baseball player and that was kind of the goal the goal at that point in time was to look like a minor league player and, and he could throw he could uh you know his bp was was pretty good 
So I, I think he has, at the time, there were a lot of people that thought he was never going to get out of A-ball. And, and he clearly has. He's, he's already exceeded that expectation. And, and as a baseball player, Clay, I would say that once you get to double-A, you are a bona fide prospect, in, at least in, in the standpoint of the likelihood of you getting called up. I mean, double-A is one call away from the big leagues. So if, if he was totally overmatched, if, if he was totally out of his league, we would know that by now, and I think that he has proven uh, w- with his dedication to the game and learning about it and, and, and working on his swing that he's he's serious about this. So I, I think that, uh, again, I, I thought at the time there was still a, a pretty decent chance he'd make it to the big leagues. I, I didn't know he'd be this good this quickly and, and this credible, and I think his, his credibility and his competitive integrity to, to this point in time are, are such that he he belongs in the big leagues and 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 I think very importantly as I mentioned to the to you a moment ago Clay about the way that the the other players in the organization are going to view this. Bear in mind if he has a spot on the major league forty man roster or if he's called up, he's clearly taking somebody else's spot. And so there there are, there are going to be hurt feelings. There probably should be because if if you've if you've put up similar numbers to Tebow in the last six years in the Mets minor league system and and you've paid your dues and you believe you deserve a call-up and you don't get it, then I can certainly understand why you'd be upset. Um, has there been, uh, on that level, a measure of preferential treatment to, to Tim Tebow? Perhaps, but that's no different than, than the preferential treatment that exists for a first or a second-round pick relative to a 30-round pick because the first-round pick's been given a signing bonus of $7 million and the 30th-round pick got $15,000. And, and and so the first-round pick is always given the benefit of the doubt over a longer period of time in pro baseball. That is a reality of the game. It's a reality of life. And so um, my point is Tim Tebow is done with what's been of him. He, he has become a representatively good minor league baseball player, and I think he belongs in the big leagues this, this September. As we come into the all-star break for Major League Baseball, a lot of people may start to pivot their attention to Major League Baseball. What should we be aware of? What to you are the biggest stories as the All-Star break nears? Well, a couple of things, Clay. I would say that the resurgence of a few teams that were that were not really expected to be playoff teams. The Mariners right now, if the playoffs began today, they'd be in it in the American League. And then the, the Braves and Phillies uh, emerging in a big way in the National League East at a time when certainly in the spring training everybody thought it was going to be the Nationals' division to, to lose. So I, I would say those those two things uh, I, and, and, and those two leagues. And then, of course, on a, on a personal level, one, one player or on a, on a player-to-player basis, Mike Trout's continued dominance of the game. I think uh, Mookie Betts becoming a really close rival of his in, in, a, in the American League MVP race, and, and Manny Machado being the – the person everybody seems to want to trade for. I think those are probably the individual stories, and of course all of them are uh, American League All-Stars that, that'll be at the Midsummer Classic on Tuesday. But I think Trout, Clay, the, the Angels, once again, look like they're going to be out of the playoffs. And, and, and Mike Trout is somebody that you and I have talked about this before, the importance of baseball, getting Mike Trout into being more of a mainstream American sports superstar Mike Trout has never won a playoff game, and the Angels have not won a playoff game since 2009. So uh, unless something dramatically changes, the uh, the Los Angeles Angels are, are going to have one more year where Mike Trout's incredible production, I'm not going to say the word is, uh, is wasted, but it, it is not taken full advantage of 
by an organization that, that probably should be a lot better on the field right now than it has been in this decade. You mentioned uh, Mike Trout, obviously. How about Bryce Harper? The Nationals are right now at dead even, I believe, at forty six and forty six in that division, and uh, Atlanta and the and the and the Phillies have outperformed. But Trout is hitting. Sorry, uh, but Harper's hitting two thirteen. Uh, is this an example of him just I, I, what's happening from your perspective to to explain how he would drop a hundred percentage points in his batting average in one year? Clay, and not not that I'm a hitting coach expert, but but I do think he is pressing, trying to do too much of the plate, and that is resulting in some bad swings and 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 deviations from his from his best offensive approach. Uh, he is he is pulling off the ball more than he usually does, which has left him vulnerable to pitches away. And pitchers know this, and so they're they're exploiting that. They are not giving him almost anything on the inside part of the plate, or at least not by by uh, on, on purpose. They're they're trying to stay away from him, and and they should. Uh, it, it's it is a clay to me. It's going to be one of the more interesting stories we've ever seen in baseball in, in an off season this winter when when he becomes a free agent because he has been talked about for years as a possible three hundred million dollar player, possible four hundred million dollar player. Uh, and as you say, he's batting in the low 200s. I, I had recently some some uh, some agents, not not his own agent, not not Scott Boras, others, say they still believe he's going to get paid more than a quarter billion dollars this this winter because of the the way that analytics will always look charitably upon young stars in terms of their future projections. And, and Bryce, in this case, is still a Still, still 25 years still old, young, for sure. Yeah, still a young man. I've so, got to get to. Uh, I got to get to my break here. We'll continue the Bryce Harper debate with you next week. Thanks for getting up early with us here, John Morosi. We'll talk to you next week after the All Star game. Sounds great, Clay. Always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you real soon. That's John Morosi. Final segment of the show up next. What's up with Bryce Harper? And we'll kind of put the capstone on the England loss. Finally, on Outkick, the coverage. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Uh, we've had a loaded show. Uh, I encourage you guys to go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss anything. Um, much to discuss. And uh, obviously, we started off the show breaking down the uh, the Croatia win over England. We moved on talking about Tim Tebow in the minor leagues. That is our poll question. Double A All Star Game was last night. Uh, I said that I believe Tim Tebow, and you just heard John Morosi say it as well, that he thinks Tim Tebow will play in the Major League Baseball uh, regular season at the end of the year for uh, the New York Mets. Uh, the Mets are presently 37 53, 13 and a half games back. Do you believe Tebow will play in Major League Baseball this year? Uh, right at 12,000 of you have voted so far in this poll. You can go find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Vote yourself. 77% of you said that, yes, you do believe that he will play. Uh, we also uh, broke down, I thought that was interesting data that just came out recently from the uh, USA Today, the 10 biggest college football programs in the country as a function of revenue. And uh, all of that, plus an hour or two, we talked uh, with our, our guy up in Buffalo who writes at The Athletic, Matthew Fairborn, and we discussed uh, what should happen with LaShawn McCoy. I, man... Again, this is me putting on my lawyer hat. When you retain the same guy who represented Ray Lewis in his murder case, I am always going to say, go out and get you the best lawyer you possibly can. But when you go get 
Ray Lewis's attorney from his murder trial. To me, that's a sign that LaShawn McCoy has some splaining to do. That he expects for this to get pretty serious if he's already getting a lawyer of that caliber. And if that's happening, the Bills are less than two weeks away from starting their training camp. I don't know how you bring him in. That's a messy situation for Buffalo right now because I do think there are two options here that would help Buffalo. Either he gets completely cleared, which I think there's a really small chance of in the next two weeks because then you play him, you don't have to worry about him. He was unfairly criticized here. There's no problems. Or he gets charged with a crime and I think his NFL career is pretty much over. But if he's somewhere in between those two poles of diametrically opposed end results, then I don't know what the overall outcome is here. I don't know how you bring him in and play him if you're the Bills. What would you guys do quickly around the horn here? Would you bring him in, Justin Cooper, if you found out there's no resolution, right? And you're still waiting to see what might end up happening. Would I bring him in for like to start training camp? Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, I just I don't think you can touch. That's the way I feel too. If there's no resolution in this situation, I think I think that this is an ugly situation for Lashawn McCoy. And if he's in a tough spot because he needs this to be resolved immediately if he wants to continue his NFL career, but he also needs to avoid putting himself into criminal culpability. So I don't blame him for getting the best possible attorney he can. That's what I would do if I were in his situation. But when you go out and spend that kind of money and get the best possible attorney in the city, you're automatically lending some legitimacy to the idea that you might get charged with a crime. Because if you're 100% innocent and there's no evidence to support that you might be in the wrong, you probably don't go out and spend the money to get the best attorney, criminal defense-wise, in the city of Atlanta. That's going to be a story that's really worth following as we continue. Uh, Reminder that we will be in Atlanta doing the show live next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, SEC Media Days. Can't wait to get down there. That, to me, is the official kickoff of football season in this country Shortly thereafter, we've got the start of training camps. All of that still to come. I appreciate all of you. Thursday edition, I'll kick the coverage in the books. Go download it. Go vote in our poll question at Clay Travis on Twitter. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. Stu Holden will join us live from Russia, break down the World Cup final. All that and more. I'm Clay Travis. This has been I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!